For our first text tonight, I'll be reading Matthew chapter 1, Matthew 1 from verse 18 to verse 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with birth and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And now we'll flip over to Hebrews. I'll read from Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 14 to verse 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he, may, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. When I was in Sunday school and elementary school, I learned something about Jesus that was not quite right. I know you should learn things that are good in Sunday school, and I mostly did, but there was one thing that I got wrong, and I think it was my fault, not the teacher's. But let me tell you how this happened. In Sunday school, we'd start with the creation of the world, and we'd do Adam and Eve, and we'd do Abraham and Noah and Moses and David, and so on and so forth. And then we get to the New Testament. We talk about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and Peter and Paul and John. And then we'd start over again with Adam and Eve and Abraham and Moses and so on and so forth, Joseph and Mary, Jesus, Peter, Paul, John. There was a lot of good to that. And I learned a lot about the Bible. But one thing I didn't really get from the way that the stories were told was that Jesus was totally unique. I got that he was important. I got that he did some special stuff. But if I'd made a storyline of the Bible, it might have been kind of flat. There would have been all these important characters. But I'm not sure that I would have put Jesus any higher, really, than a lot of the other characters we read about in the Bible. I think it was only in high school or maybe even college that I had this realization, wait, the whole thing, the whole story is about Jesus. Jesus isn't just another character in the Bible. He's at the center. He's not just another person. He's not even just another Bible person. He is our Savior 
And he's at the center of the whole story. Nobody else was, is, or ever will be like him. Jesus is truly, totally God and truly, totally human. Now, of course, I knew that all the way through. It wasn't like my elementary school, Sunday school teachers were teaching me something totally wrong. But maybe I didn't quite get the majesty. Maybe I didn't quite get the uniqueness of Jesus. And maybe I just didn't quite get that he was at the center of the whole story. So tonight we're going to talk about Jesus. Jesus, our unique Savior. Jesus, the only person in the history of the world who is fully divine and fully human. And because of that, Jesus, the only person able to save us. I'm going to start this this evening by talking just a little bit about how we talk about Jesus, how we think about him being fully divine and fully human. And then I'm going to trace out a number of ways that that makes a difference in our lives as believers. This first bit is going to be a little bit of work, but bear with me. We kind of need to get this straight so that we can talk about how it matters in our lives. So as the early church wrestled with how to talk about Jesus, how to describe Jesus, they settled on this particular formula. Jesus is one divine person with two natures. Jesus is one divine person with two natures. One person, God himself. One person, but with two natures, divine and human. Jesus is God who took on human nature. So Jesus is not just human. A lot of other religions out there portray Jesus as a good man or a great teacher or maybe just as a mistaken man. Pick your religion. Islam, for example, says Jesus is a great, great prophet, maybe even the greatest prophet, but he's nothing more than that. And in our world today, I think you'd find a lot of people who would say Jesus was a really great teacher or Jesus was a nice guy, but that's kind of it. But Jesus is not just a human being. Jesus is fully God from all eternity, always has been, is now, always will be God. From eternity to eternity, Jesus is divine. But at a particular point in history, Jesus took on human nature. He didn't give up being God to become human. He didn't mix up the divine and human and make a sort of human-divine casserole or hybrid. Jesus was God who took on human nature. Jesus is just as human as you and I are. He wasn't just God pretending to be human. He wasn't partially human. He wasn't God with a mask on. He wasn't God in a sort of skin-deep human wrapper. Jesus was really, truly, totally human, just like us. There's one except there. Jesus was really, truly, totally like us, except that he wasn't sinful. Ever since Adam, all human beings have had a bent towards sin, but Jesus didn't have that bent. Jesus is eternal God who took on human nature except without sin. 
So I know that some of that was a little hard to follow. When we talk about these things, it's a little bit hard to be clear. But here we are. Jesus isn't just a human being. Jesus isn't just God pretending to be a human being, God with a mask on. Jesus is both fully, totally, eternally God and truly, completely human except for sin. So with that said, let's look at some ways that this matters for us. First, because Jesus is truly divine, he has the power to save us. Because Jesus is God, he has the power to save us. Sin plunged all of humanity into deep, deep trouble. We were dead in our sins. We owed God an infinite penalty for having offended against him. We were steeped in guilt. We were deep, deep in the abyss. We owed more than we could pay. You can keep on going as long as you want with the metaphors here. The point is that we sinful people were not able to get back into a good relationship with God. We just could not get there. So if the divine human relationship was going to be repaired, it was going to have to come from God's side, not ours. Only the infinite God could pay the infinite penalty that humanity owed. Only God can bring people back to life. Only God could atone for our sins. We were all drowning in our sin. None of us could get to shore. None of us had any hope. We needed God himself to save us. No one else had the ability. No one else had the power. No one else had the right to act on our behalf to save us. If God hadn't stepped in, there would have been no hope. Only God could save us, and he did. So because Jesus is divine, he can save us. But what's maybe even more amazing is that God chose to save us. God chose to save us. God chose to become one of us to save us. All of us here today were born as human beings without any choice in the matter. We didn't sit back one day and say, hey, I think I'd like to become human today. I think I'll do that. We were all born into this world. We were all born into this mess. We didn't really have a choice. But Jesus did have a choice. And in God's choice, he became like one of us. He took on human nature and walked among us. I'm not sure if they're still out there, but when I was younger, we had this thing called an ant farm for a few years. And they looked kind of like a flat aquarium. And I think the idea was you could put ants in there and they'd sort of have their little colony. And since it was thin and see-through, you could see all the activity of the colony going on. We could never make that work, my brother and I. Somehow when we tried to catch the ants, they always ran away and then we'd squish them. And when we did get a couple in there, they'd just panic and run around trying to get out. So it really wasn't much fun for the ants or for us. It seemed like most of them ended up dead. We could never get across what we wanted those stupid ants to do. But now imagine being willing to become an ant. Imagine squishing yourself down into the life of one of those little bugs, one of those things that live in the dirt, they spend all their time just looking for food and trying to avoid predators with no horizon, no hope for the future beyond get food and stay safe. 
I can't imagine if any of us had the choice that we would be willing today to become an ant in order to help the ant farms or ant colonies thrive. But God himself, truly God himself, was willing to take on human nature and become like one of us to deliver us from our troubles. God was the only one who could save us. If we were going to be saved, God was going to have to make that move. And so we rejoice that Jesus was truly God because he's able to save us. And we can also rejoice because Jesus chose to save us. Now from the other side, I want to reflect on two reasons that it matters that Jesus was truly human. And the first reason is going to be hard for us to get because we are really, really individualistic. We think we're all our own person with no connection, no ties to anybody else. But here it is. Jesus, only because Jesus was identified with us, did it work for him to save us. Because Jesus took on human nature, he had the human identity necessary to save us. Only God could pay the infinite penalty for sin, but only humanity owed that penalty to God. So only someone who was truly God was able to pay for sin, but only someone who was truly human needed to pay for that sin of all humanity. And because Jesus, who was God, shared in our humanity, he could destroy the death and the slavery that we were trapped in. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that Jesus had to become like us in every way in order that he might become our high priest and make atonement for us. We need a Savior who is one of us. One of the early church fathers, Gregory of Nazianzus, imagine writing that out every time, by the way, he coined the phrase, that which wasn't assumed in Christ is not healed. What wasn't assumed is not healed. That takes a little bit of unpacking, but here's his basic point. Whatever of us Christ didn't take on couldn't be healed. We humans were totally broken. And if there was some part of our lives, if there was some aspect of who we are as humans that Jesus didn't take on, how could he heal that? If Jesus just pretended to be human, if he was just God walking around with a mask on, he couldn't really act as humanity's mediator. Jesus had to be identified with us in order to save us. Only God could save us Only humans needed to be saved. And so Jesus took on human nature and bridged that gap. So Jesus had the identity and the power to save us. But also because he took on human nature, he's able to help us in our struggles. Because he took on human nature, Jesus is able to help us in our weakness. Hebrews 2 tells us that Jesus is a merciful and faithful high priest. A merciful and faithful high priest. That's actually one of the very, very, very few times in the Bible that any priest is called merciful. But Jesus is merciful. He knows what our struggles are. He himself suffered when he was tempted, 
He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted just like we are, but he always resisted sin. We can go to Jesus with confidence because he suffered like us and because he has mercy on us. Jesus knows our weakness. He knows your weakness. He knows our temptations. He knows our suffering. And so he's able to help us. Now, you might be tempted to say, yeah, Jesus was human, sure, but he didn't really understand what my struggles are like. Jesus wasn't sinful. So how could he know what it really feels like to be tempted? Jesus was all-powerful God, so how can he really understand what it's like for me to struggle and to suffer? How can someone who's God and man really understand what I'm going through? Well, let me give you a couple answers to that train of thought. First, when we read the Gospels, we read the story of Jesus who suffered. He was hungry. He cried. He was abandoned by his family and his friends. He was executed, beaten up, beaten down by the authorities. He lost everything. He suffered more than I hope any of us ever have to. Jesus really, really did suffer. Anything that you suffer, Jesus can understand. So that's one thought. But let me give you another too. Have you ever been tempted? You don't need to raise your hands. I know you won't anyway. But have you ever been really, really tempted? Have you ever had a sin that just keeps knocking on your door forever, it feels like, and you just can't get rid of it, and you don't give in, and you don't give in, and it keeps beating on you and you feel like you don't have the strength to fight it. Have you ever suffered that kind of temptation and eventually after it's beaten on you for a while, maybe for a day, maybe for a year, maybe for a decade, maybe for 10 minutes, but have you ever had it where you've just gotten beaten down and the temptation kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and finally you gave in? You just couldn't take it anymore. I would guess that pretty much all of us have had that experience. Now, can you imagine fighting that temptation forever? Can you imagine spending your whole life fighting off temptation second by second? Can you imagine never, ever, ever giving in to any temptation, not even once, not even for a millisecond? Can you imagine winning that battle decade after decade even as the temptations kept knocking on your door? Honestly, I can't. I have no place in my mind that I can fit in always being able to resist temptation. But yet Jesus did. Second after second, minute after minute, year after year, decade after decade, Jesus continually won the battle against sin. He was tempted and tempted and tempted, and he resisted and resisted and resisted. Jesus did not have it easy. 
He had it just as hard as we do. He maybe even had it harder. But through it all, through all the temptation, all the suffering for his whole life, Jesus stayed perfect and sinless. Whatever struggles you encounter, whatever temptations you face, Jesus can understand because he's been there and he's been farther down that road than we can possibly understand and he never, ever, ever, ever gave in. Whatever weakness you have, whatever temptation you face, whatever struggles you experience, Jesus can understand. Jesus can sympathize and Jesus can help. Jesus is the Savior that we need. He is true God with all the power, all the love, everything that that means. And he's also chosen to be identified with us. Jesus, true God, true human being, is truly able to save us. And he is the only one able to save us. And he's also the only one really able to help us in our struggles. Whatever struggles you have, whatever temptations you face, whatever weakness you experience, Jesus is able to help you. Other things, other people offer promises that they can make this or that better, but really, Jesus is the only answer in this world. Jesus is like nobody else. Truly, eternally God, truly, completely human, able to save us from sin and death, able to sympathize with our weakness and our suffering, able to help us. I'm going to close tonight by reading a couple more verses from Hebrews. They won't be up on the PowerPoint. You can grab your Bible and follow along if you like. But I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 